the Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Brendan Chagru, Jack Wright, Logan Bradley, and your host, Ryan Dangle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks. This episode is a little different than most of our episodes. I'm giving it a bit of a disclaimer. I even talk about it in the very beginning of the intro of this podcast and didn't intend on going on a rant that used a lot of foul language, but at a certain point, it was in there. And at a certain point, too, and in conversations with Brendan Chagru, Patrick Sheldon, and Jack Wright, they suggested, hey, man, you should keep it. Uh, so with a disclaimer that they're that this episode is going to include a whole lot of foul language. I, I think it's it's raw emotion that you're going to hear from, from us, and especially from me, that I'll even say it a few times that you can hear that I was planning on cutting it out, but uh, decided to keep it in. And I think you're going to understand why, but for any of you who are listening with children or anything else like that, I know you're used to our episodes being relatively clean. This episode is not that. Still hope you enjoy uh, listening to us, and without further ado, here's the episode. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Bear Down Report podcast. Boys, a conscious decision was made when we first started this podcast that we were going to be family-ish, that we were going to try to appeal to as wide an audience as we possibly could. How you don't drop quite a few F-bombs in this episode is, is, is really racking my brain right now, boys. Am, am I alone in that? You are not. I think maybe you would do the fudge from, is it Christmas Story, I think? Maybe mm-hmm. we just do that. Patrick, I'm worried about Patrick a little bit. Yeah, Patrick, before we got on here, just to set give everybody the mood, he was like, guys, I'm not doing good. I'm really not doing good. So we may need to send like a well-being check down to the Carolinas to check on our good boy. Cause I mean, our, how are you, man? Yeah. I you know, I'm I'm trying to gather my thoughts to talk about my impressions of this game. And it, I, I can't think of anything that doesn't start with like a tapestry of profanity um for like the first four minutes. And every time I try to say something, like a, a curse word comes out. And so I got to, I don't know, I got to reconfigure, man, and, and figure out how to, how to like emotionally reconfigure and, and talk about this game today because it was just, it was awful. Boys, I'm going way off script here and I don't care. Why are we still Bears fans? I, I, I understand why you get into this. I understand why you follow a team. But I'm, but I'm, I definitely am asking myself that question. I love hanging out with you guys every week. I love interacting with other Bears fans. I have loved going to Soldier Field to watch games. I have loved, you know, watching this team go to the Super Bowl in 2006. But this is a bad franchise. It's a bad football team. It's poorly run. And I just, I am asking myself, why am I sitting on my couch wasting away yet another very beautiful fall Sunday to watch this team give me a little bit of hope and then pull it out from underneath me. So I agree with everything you said, Ryan. You do feel sometimes like you could be doing something else instead of watching that putrid swill. 
I think it's two things. One, it's generational. It's about family. It's about sitting in the living room floor with my brother watching the Bears suck for years until finally you reach this pinnacle, which is the 85 Super Bowl championship. Maybe it's just the hope that that will happen again. The second thing, and this might be a stretch, but I was thinking the other day, I'm kind of just glad that we have football. I, I mean, I know that the whole COVID effect, you know, has been very difficult for people. But as I looked to this Sunday, especially, I was like, I get to set my fantasy lineup. I get to watch football all day. I get to set some wagers. So, you know, it, it doesn't make the loss any easier, but those are some things. We're here for you, Ryan. We are your support group. I, I see it as it's, it's a bad relationship. It's just such a bad relationship because you always think we're in a downtime right now. And our significant other has just wronged us so many times. But then you think back to the good times, 2018, things were great. You guys were on vacation together. Then 2006, Super Bowl, oh man, flying high there. 2005, even 2010, like those few years, you really think back like, you know what? I remember the good times. I don't want to remember the bad times, but you've gone through so many bad times. It's like, we all need an intervention and be like, look, this isn't working out for you guys. Like this is a bad relationship and we're too stupid to see it. You know, because after this, guarantee you, I, I tweeted out a couple of weeks ago and I keep tweeting. It's the cycle of Bears fandom. We're going to get sucked back in. It happens every single week. We need some help, Ryan. We, we all need some help here. I don't know. Are we going to get sucked back in? I, I, I just don't see this team winning any games that are that are coming up here soon, maybe against Detroit. But aside from today, Detroit has played pretty tough uh a lot of the other teams and while we saw some really great things from the offense today running the ball well justin fields was just electric this defense fell apart sean desai i don't know what he was what he was doing uh i know that they were missing khalil mack which we'll get into uh, in, into our overall thoughts boys and i i apologize that i've gone completely off script completely no off the rails but i just I'm, I'm beyond fed up and I'm just wondering, you know, like the time and effort that you boys put into getting ready for this podcast that I put into getting ready for this podcast. I, I just, I wonder, is there something else we could be talking about that, that may be more productive than, than the most, one of the most dysfunctional franchises in the entire NFL. NIU football. There you go. <laughs> don't don't McDonald's. tease me, man. Don't tease I me. I know man. you're flying high, man. <laughs> Maction coming back this week. And hey, Jimmy Ward got some love, which Jimmy Ward was a great player for NIU. And to see that he is still playing in the NFL, uh, I, I'm thrilled about it. I always wondered with the Cubs fans, for instance, like that's what I would always ask. Like, how can you still be a Cubs fan? I would feel sorry for Cubs fans. I mean this legitimately. I'm a White Sox fan. Most of you know that. But it, you really do ask that question of yourself. Like, to what extent does being a fan of a certain franchise pay you back in some way, shape, or form? I guess the only thing I can think of, Ryan, is I, I can't think of turning my card in. I mean, I can't even imagine it. Because then if they do somehow restructure and then just take off, I won't be there for it. And I'll feel like a total loser for having dropped, you know, jumped ship. Yeah. It's the, it's the tough times that make the, the good times that much sweeter, you know, and then granted we haven't had many good times. It's been mostly bad times, but 
you know, my, it, it's tough explaining it to my, my six-year-old because he wants to follow a winner. He sees Patrick Mahomes doing all these great things or Russell Wilson doing all these great things. And, and then he sees what the bears put out there every Sunday. And, uh, you know, he's like, why don't we root for, I mean, he legit, <laughs> they ask the toughest questions, kids, right? Because they're so just blatantly honest. And he's like, why don't we root for a good team? <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like you, you try to teach them about loyalty and sticking with uh, a team through the good times and the bad. And you can translate those lessons into life as well. And I just think, you know, Jack, to your point, it's just what we grew up with. And um, we, we've gained an affinity for this team that, that, uh, abuses us on a yearly basis. And I think the most frustrating part for me, um, is the apparent lack of hope because you have the same knuckleheads running this thing year after year after year. And so even if they reset and they bring in a new GM and they bring in a new coach, you still have the the same two knuckleheads running this show. Um, and it just, it removes any hope that there's going to be, uh, you know, significant progress next year or the year after it's just what, what what confidence does anybody out there have that uh george mccaskey and ted phillips are going to get it right none none not a bit no they i you know that's uh that's a listener question that we'll get to later on in this podcast uh you know basically hey if if you're george mccaskey what are you going to do to to fix this and uh, you know the question is you know can those two guys fix it and i, I don't I don't think that they're capable of doing that. I think they've proved time and time again that that Ted Phillips, that Ryan Pace, that that the McCaskies, any of them, they're they're just a, it's a dysfunctional franchise. And you know, I know Jack, you talked about the money last week. Uh, they're they're going to make their dollars because Bears fans are going to continue to go to games. We're going to see you know like hey Justin Fields, this is a reason to to want to go to this game and and going to want to continue to, to, to pay to go see this kid. And I know that my Jersey's on the way, uh, thanks to my in-laws who are getting me an early Christmas present. Thanks guys. Appreciate you. Um, but you know, I just, Hey, I think it's time to move on. Let's, let's get to, to the things that we're talking about. Are you getting a JF one? I am getting a JF one. Uh, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the, the not throwback uh, white Jersey, the, the regular away jerseys, uh, they, they've been sold out and I'm, I'm excited to see that thing. So, uh, yeah, that one's coming. All right, boys. Uh, we had a very special guest plan for this week. Um, and unfortunately this special guest who all of us are very excited about couldn't make it had, had a family thing that, that popped up and obviously family comes first, but this very special guest will be in with us next week. Uh, we didn't, plan to get a San Francisco 49ers fan because this special guest was going to be with us. And that's okay. I think there's, there's a whole lot to talk about, but folks, if you're listening to this and you want uh, us to bring back the opportunity uh, to talk to a fan of the other team, let us know. Uh, We want a little bit of feedback from all of you folks, if you could do that for us. All right, guys. So, of course, since the San Francisco 49ers are in town, that means the return of Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo makes his first trip back to the Chicago area. And that man looks good. And I think he probably could use somewhere. Maybe he hasn't heard of in a while for a haircut. So, Ryan, where should he go? He is an incredibly attractive human being. I, I, I have no qualms about saying it. He is a good looking man. What didn't 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 he like? 
get into like a Twitter thing with a porn star at one point or something like that. Like I, and I'm making stuff up now. Well, I think he was dating. No, he, he was dating a porn star. He was dating a porn star. 100%. I'm actually good friends with uh, friends of his family. So uh, kind of, I looked at them. I was like, really? And they're like, yeah, we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I won't bring that up again. Uh, but yes, uh, Brendan, your wonderful lead in uh, to Sheridan's Barbershop located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 67 years. They've got five barbers. They're open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. Got appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. Sheridansbarbershop.com or 630-668-0137. Book yours today. And yes, Jack, I did do a little bit of research. I talked to my guy, Will, and they do mullets, but they don't do perms. So if you're thinking about getting that mullet cleaned up a little bit, uh, just go ahead and go see my guy, Will, at Sheridan's Barbershop. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. All right, boys, we've kind of given some overall thoughts of the Chicago Bears franchise. Let's talk about this game. Overall thoughts on this game. Let's go, Jack, Patrick, Brendan, and I will finish it up. It was a frustrating loss. There's no doubt about it. I, I didn't pick them to win because I didn't think the Bears could muster enough offense to win. So I'm a little surprised that they did muster some offense, but yet their defense just forgot to get on the bus or something. Uh, that was really a surprise to see them get gashed for 400 plus total yards by the San Francisco 49ers who were on the struggle bus. Uh, but apparently they got a slump buster uh, because they played the Chicago Bears. Yeah, for me it was um, it was anger, and then it turned to hurt for Justin Fields because when he scored that touchdown on that incredible scramble, you just saw the emotion pour out. I mean, he was so fired up. Uh, you could tell he thought that was maybe a turning point for him, and the defense just couldn't hold. I mean, it, they gave up points at one point on seven consecutive possessions, it was just the, the defense should be ashamed of themselves. They really should. Um, and I don't, I, I've, I've taken up for the defense many, many times in the past, but this was just an abomination an absolutely abysmal performance by them. Um, so my emotions ran the gamut this week from anger to frustration to hurt for Justin Fields um, and uh, a, a lot of curse words directed at George McCaskey. I think we saw what happens when an offensive guru meets a new defensive coordinator and it doesn't matter who's on the field for either side. The offensive guru is going to win because Kyle Shanahan put Sean Desai in an absolute blender. And it wasn't necessarily all because of the defensive coordinator, because just the missed tackles in general were, were just so surprising. It was shocking. I mean, this just sort of came out of nowhere. I know the defense hasn't been necessarily like world beaters over the last few weeks, but they've played well. And so to see them put this kind of effort down, I know that they were missing Khalil Mack. I know Eddie Jackson went out and people are saying maybe that Eddie Jackson, some of those disguises actually would help. I don't know. Uh, Just interesting to see that, but man, just an absolute clinic. The offense did what I thought they would do. I mean, 22 points, like it's not great, but it's decent. It should be enough to win with what the defense usually puts out. But I was just shocked. I, I don't know if I was angry, but I was like, this just came out of nowhere and it was unacceptable. The image of the entire 49ers pushing the defense into the end zone with Eddie Goldman there was that really upset me. 
okay, now I'm getting angry. <laughs> I was shocked and now I'm getting angry. Again. <laughs> was it more the fact that they were missing Khalil Mack? Was it Sean Desai's or did they just have a bad game? Yes. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I will say, because teams do game plan a lot for Khalil Mack. And when you can take away that one side and no disrespect to Travis Gibson, but he's just not nearly on that level. But when Kyle Shanahan can see what Sean Desai's doing and just get some of those easy like step backs, they chop block or they were chopping uh, Robert Quinn quite a bit taking him out of the plays so many times. I mean, it, it was a perfect storm for just an, an offensive performance from the 49ers. It shows what you can do when you have an offensive line that can protect. I mean, we didn't, we didn't have, I don't think we had no sacks and we had very few, if any rushes, you know, um, pass rushing wise. So if you just kind of like hold up some of the weeks that, JF1 has had running for his life back there. And we've like tried to dissect like, well, are they not, you know, are, are they not coming out of the routes fast enough or are they not chipping enough or do they need to keep moving? I mean, bottom line is the defense could not get pressure to Jimmy G. And so Jimmy G was able to carve us up. This, this game, uh, I think you guys can hear it in my voice. I'm, I'm struggling with this one. Like truly am struggling with this one because I, I, you know, maybe the 49ers broke me. I don't, I don't know. Uh, the third 19, that makes me want to throw up. Looking at soldier field makes me want to throw up. I'm not talking about the stadium. I'm talking about the field itself. It's just fans are like, why do you want to move? That's why we want to move to a real stadium. Um, I, I get it. It's iconic. It's gorgeous. It's, it's beautiful, but just, just awful. Damien Williams got the start over Khalil Herbert. I don't understand that one at all. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. You watch Khalil Herbert come in and then you try to go back to Damien Williams. Obviously Damien Williams gets hurt. Um, if, if Herbert is, is hurt for a little while, ugh. Uh, one more question before uh, before we go back to something that we missed, uh, which is really, really important. Gentlemen, is it time to trade Allen Robinson? Yes, and I wouldn't stop there. It, it, but I think we've talked about this before. It goes back to this really weird predicament that the Bears' ownership have put themselves in. You've got a GM and head coach that are fighting for their jobs. Are they really going to potentially do what's in the best interest of this team long-term and sell off some assets for draft capital that they may not be around to realize the benefits of. And I, I don't know the answer to that. It's going to be interesting to see what they do, but Fields and, and A-Rob don't seem to be on the same page. Fields, uh, A-Rob's been a tremendous pro um, this whole season, but you know it's unlikely he's going to want to come back next year. I don't see them franchise tagging him again. So what, what are we going to do? I, I don't know what they're going to get for him, right? Um, they're probably not going to get much and you got the comp pick formula that you have to take into account. But, you know, again, Brian Pace will overpay for some free agents and probably negate that comp pick anyway. So, um, man, it's just like, the more you talk about this, the more you devolve into just anger and frustration and curse words back to curse words. Yeah. I think it would be important to trade a few key pieces, primarily Allen Robinson and then potentially Keem Hicks, which would just be such a blow because, Hakeem Hicks playing hurt. He seemed like he was the only one giving a damn on the defense. But I mean, it, it, it's interesting because I, I believe Ryan Pace during his interview, like pregame, said they were going to be aggressive at the NFL trade deadline. 
which is weird because nobody's ever aggressive at the NFL trade deadline, but who knows, probably just blowing smoke. But I mean, Ryan Pace is always aggressive buying. So can you really see him being aggressive selling? I'd be very concerned with them trying to buy and go for a run here because this team's just not, they're, they're not built to be a Super Bowl contender. They're barely built to be a playoff contender. And even then they're one and done. So I, I'm all for it at this point. He's not doing anything. You are not paying him the money he wants. So might as well try to get something. Man, like you just made me sad. Like seriously, really sad, because I didn't even think about that, Brendan. I mean, honestly, if he uses the trade deadline to try to acquire pieces for this team, what the actual? Mm, I mean, that would be like awful, terrible. If we gave away more draft picks, for instance, I mean, it is like right. You're at the poker table and you're throwing good money after bad. That would be, oh man, I know that doesn't answer your question, but that just really struck me. <laughs> he he has to be thinking about trying to save his job where the Bears front office needs to be realistic and start thinking about JF1 and moving forward. This 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 season is done. You're not going to you're not going to go to the, and if you go to the playoffs you're a one and done if somehow some way but two you know three and five it's it's not going to happen. It's an absolute pipe dream at this point. It's time to move on, sell some things, think about next year. How do you continue to develop Justin Fields? Gentlemen, I am clearly thrown off from today and I apologize one more time. This is the last time I'll apologize for it and I missed something. And the thing that gives me so much joy every single week, I can't believe I somehow, some way missed Brendan's breakdown. Brendan, I hope you can see it in your heart to forgive me uh, this one time. But please, Brendan, we got to hear your breakdown. Oh, I could never be mad at you. It's all good. Because a gold rush came barreling into Soldier Field today as the Chicago Bears welcome the San Francisco 49ers for a Halloween showdown. Both teams appeared to be too full from some candy as offense was at a premium to start the game. Joey Slywalker had trouble using the force, missing his first field goal attempt and also an extra point attempt later in the game. But the Bears offense had their own issues as Justin Cornfields kept getting stuck in a maze, settling for field goals from consistent Cairo Santos. They would eventually break through, however, when Jesse James stole the ball like an outlaw for the first touchdown of the game. But then 49ers decided to play like it was Friday as Debo Samuel said, that's my ball, punk, to the Bears cornerbacks, setting up a touchdown from everyone's favorite Italian. No, not you, Mario. Jimmy Garoppolo. San Francisco then took a page from California and inflated the hell out of this game, totaling up more offensive yards than current gas prices. After Elijah Mitchell scored a touchdown, Brandon Kayuk was rewarded for whining about not getting the ball enough scoring the two-point conversion. I'm Kayuk, I'm Kayuk. Fields then channeled his inner Thanos and said, fine, I'll do it myself, and avoided half the universe to score on a 22-yard touchdown. But it wasn't enough as the Bears came up with just fool's gold at the end, losing 33-22. to 22. We're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not paying him enough. It's, no, that's just... really good. But I will say this, though. I, I mean... If you could never mention Caillou again for like the rest of our lives, and I, I think, you know, uh, Patrick, you can probably back me up on this. I think they canceled him. Thank the gods. But it was weird. Like when my kids were little, it was so annoying. It just, 
I don't know, guys. It doesn't come in on this TV. I guess we don't get it. <laughs> I mean, it's cry you. I mean, oh, that was the most annoying kid show ever. I I had a little sister growing up, and I, I very clearly know your pain because she watched it too. And just to let everybody know, when I was I was texting these guys during the game, I was like, God, I hope Brandy and Ayuk scores because I've got a line ready to go for this. And thankfully, he got the two-point <laughs> conversion because I had to throw that in. I knew you two especially. And I don't know about you, Patrick, but um, I, I knew you you guys would get it. Folks, this is I, there's a lot of reasons to celebrate. Uh, if you haven't, uh, please check my Twitter to see my wife came up with I think one of the best costumes you've ever seen. My four month old daughter was a tiger. I was the tiger King and she was Carol. Uh, but this gentleman is an even better reason to celebrate Joe who asked us not to use their last name. Joe from Tinley park bought us a round of beers. So Joe and Tinley park cheers to you uh, folks. If you are listening Joe, we, Joe, we from Tinley, we appreciate you very, very much. If you want to buy us a round of beers like uh, Joe did, please uh, head to beardownreport.com, head to the podcast section, click on any one of the episodes. You scroll down, and you're going to see donate button, and you donate uh, just like Joe from Tinley Park did, and we will give you a shout out. Uh, so, Joe, thank you so much for the beers. Uh, the BDR crew, we appreciate them greatly. All right, gentlemen, it is time to get to our new and favorite segment, The Outhouse of the Penthouse, sponsored by Jeff Cadwalder from At Properties. Jeff knows you need experience when it matters most. Visit GenevaJeff.com or give him a call 630-254-4734. Jeff Cadwalder is the absolute best. Chicagoland area, need a home? Jeff is your guy. Give him a call, give him a text, or visit GenevaJeff.com today to learn more. All right, gentlemen, let's go outhouse and penthouse. We're going to go reverse order this time. So let's go Brendan, Patrick, Jack, and I will finish it up. All right. My penthouse, I think this one's pretty easy. And I'm going to go Justin Fields. I mean, we saw, in my opinion, this was his best game of the season. He was really able to operate within his own skill set and maximize those abilities to move the ball down the field, particularly in the run game. I mean, just seeing him fly down the field and avoid tacklers, it was it was a thing of beauty. But he also was like really accurate for most of the game. And aside from like a couple tip passes, maybe throwing a little high to Allen Robinson, he was on the money. I mean, that touchdown to Jesse James, unbelievable. Just diving perfect spot right, basically just right in front of the defender where he didn't have a chance to get it. I love the way he was moving to his left and throwing on the run. It's really hard for quarterbacks to do that. I, I mean, we joke about the uh, quarterback who we will not name, who used to be here, who could not throw left. I, it, you know, we, we like to joke about that, but seriously, it, it was very impressive to see. I loved seeing all of his abilities come together. I know it was only 22 points. It really should have been more. I think the only falter was just some of the things, maybe it was play calling, uh, in the red zone, but hats off to Justin Fields, continuing to take those steps and really bouncing back again from just a really bad loss last week. There was a lot of Twitter this week about him being a bust and you learn real fast, right? To ignore most of what's on Twitter, but let's just say for the record, no way there's, there's no like comparison between Mitch and put the Matt Nagy stuff aside, just in terms of sheer comparison of tools, skills, ability, balance, 
confidence. He is not a bust. He is going to be a terrific quarterback. Absolutely. And real quickly for my penthouse, I could go a ton of different ways, and I'm sure you guys are going to as well. I'm going to stick this one to Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace is going to be in my outhouse because with Matt Nagy not on the sidelines due to COVID protocol, all eyes were on Ryan Pace. And I think you saw a lot of the issues with this roster. The cornerbacks were dreadful. Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley, the position he failed to address really enough, I think, in the offseason. Yeah, they had some success throughout the season, but this really manifested itself into just an awful performance. He paid Cody Whitehair is the highest paid offensive lineman on the Bears, and he is just trash right now. He doesn't know the play calls. He doesn't know whether it's a run or pass. He's getting blown up in the interior every time. It's looking like a lot of those extensions that Ryan Pace put together, maybe aside from Akeem Hicks, are all just bad. And so with Matt Nagy not really there to kind of, you know, take the bullets, this one's all on Ryan Pace. And you can kind of see, aside from Justin Fields, this roster still isn't as good as people think it is. So my my penthouse, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Bill Lazor. I think the game plan was markedly different this this week than in previous weeks, even though uh, supposedly Lazor's been calling plays um, for a while now. I think you saw a lot more play action, way more play action than we've seen probably in the last three to four weeks combined. Um, some boots and rollouts. You saw the offensive game plan have a rhythm, seemed to make sense. There seemed to be some logic in the sequence of plays uh, that they were stacked on top of each other instead of just kind of picking them out of a jar that like Nagy seemed to do. Um, you know, it, it was tough because, and this will tie into my outhouse, they didn't score as many points as you, you would have liked. They rushed for over 175 yards combined and just couldn't put the ball in the end zone. So there were some, uh, you know, some issues scoring points. But I just thought that this game plan by Laser really maximized Justin Fields' skill set. We saw things that w- we haven't seen in the past. That, Brendan, I think you may have texted it or, or tweeted it, the, the quick slant uh, to Goodwin on that third and 13 play. It was like, where have these been? Right. Um, and so maybe w- with laser having a little bit more freedom with Nagy out of the building all week, um, he was able to install something that is a little bit more uh, friendly to, to Justin Fields skill set. So shout out to uh, to Bill Laser. He's in my penthouse this week. The outhouse uh, for me is the Chicago Bears continued lack of discipline. It is so frustrating to see this team never puts together a full game in all three phases. There's always something that happens, uh, whether it's the, you know, the defense craps the bed while the offense shines or vice versa, or you have special teams blunders. And this week it was just a continued lack of discipline and penalties, um, killing drives, stalling drives that they're, they're opening drive killed by penalties. Um, I mean, how many illegal men downfield penalties that they have at least two, uh, you know, th- th- this has been a hallmark of Matt Nagy's tenure in Chicago, uh, just a very undisciplined team, lots of penalties aside from the personal fouls, just straight up regular run of the mill penalties. Um, and it kills them time after time. And so my, my outhouse is their continued lack of discipline. And it's just, it's mind boggling how this continues to happen week after week. You, you learn ver- like early on as an offensive coordinator. And I, I t- tweeted this out earlier today as well that if you find something that you can run well uh, play-wise, you keep running it until the defense stops you. And if they don't stop you, 
then you keep running it. And I mentioned see also Chicago Bears running game. And there was there was instances I remember where we would call you know a power play a run play, and we would just keep calling it. It's 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 demoralizing for the other team. The quarterback would come to me for a play, and I would just go, you know, just flip my hand, run it again, run it again, and we would just and then sooner or later they'd overplay, and then we'd run counter or we'd run boot. So I will give definitely. I think I agree with you uh, quite a bit, Patrick. I think in the penthouse is offensive flow. Uh, versatility and balance we finished a drive we su- successfully finished a drive all the way down the field we got in the red zone there was no penalties there was no idiot timeouts there was no i don't know wide receiver screens or other like bonkers plays we just straight finished and that makes me so happy inside because we've talked about this endlessly that is something that we just desperately miss. However, in the outhouse, you know, I'm just going to put the Chicago Bears. And let me explain. We have talked about a lack of explosive plays, but I just want you to think about it this way for a moment. No forced fumbles, no interceptions, no big offensive plays of any kind. We don't have running backs who can break into the secondary and then skate right into the end zone. We have no wide we have no instances of a wide receiver catching a deep ball in stride and scoring a touchdown. We have no kick return touchdowns. We have no punt return touchdowns. We have we don't even have like an exciting play like when there's a punt and we down it inside the five and everybody goes flips out because that's a really cool play. Gentlemen, we don't have any of those plays, and it speaks to your point, I think, very well, Brendan, because they're just not there. They're not on the field. Pace put together the ingredients of this stew, and it's just not a very good stew. It doesn't taste good at all. And so that that I've been thinking about this, and I had this epiphany because we talk all this time about watching other teams play and how fun it is, and this is the thing, right? This is the thing. We don't have any explosive plays. None of the things that I just mentioned ever come up in a Bears game. So boring. And one last thing. I know this is a rant. I apologize. But I noticed that uh, the San Francisco 49ers averaged 8.6 yards per play, and we averaged 4.8 per play. Okay, so they doubled us. I'm sorry, no shit, Sherlock. So I'm like looking at it, and we're last in the NFL. We're 4.4 per play. Again, here's my shocked face. You know, I mean, the, the best team in the league, Dallas, is double that. Okay, I'm done. Whew, deep breaths. <laughs> Guys, Mike White threw for 405 yards today and three touchdowns. Every other team finds a way to have at least a game where they put up points um, in bunches. And week after week, it looks so difficult for the Bears to even do the most mundane thing on the field. You're absolutely right, Jack. We're great at setting football back like 100 years every <laughs> single time. It is pulling teeth. And you guys are absolutely right. That was That was a hell of a rant, Jack. San Francisco even ran a wide receiver screen for a freaking touchdown. I mean, the play that I think I hate the most in the Bears playbook, the Niners took it to the house, you know? I mean, so just that even to me, like puts an exclamation point on it. We just, we cannot get any explosive plays, game-changing plays. I I think because we don't have game-changing players, except for one, and that's the quarterback. 
Can I, I, I actually need a second guys. Just sure, give me a second here. Absolutely. He scrambled his brain. Uh, yeah. You all right, buddy. I, 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 like all jokes aside, guys, like what the fuck are we doing? Like, I, I'm, I'm being serious. Like I, I'm I know, like, but... I, I, I'm like, I love this, but like, what the fuck are we like? Why are we, why are, why are we doing this? Why, why are we like, why the fuck are we, are we following a team that can't fucking put up fucking more than 25 fucking points? Like that, that literally like week in week out fucking 13 points is our average where like four point, whatever yards, like what the fuck are we doing? Like, why are we doing this? We're playing the long game, buddy. We are. We're playing the long game. We can build it now as much as we can. This whole thing, like our company, pretty fun. We laugh. We're still going to laugh. I know. That's I mean, the thing is I'm trying, like, I'm re- like genuinely like really trying to like laugh and enjoy like, but like this one, like this one really like it yeah, hit me. Yeah. It hit me. Different. All right. So yeah, can, this, can I, yeah. cause I'm, I'm not as, I'm really not as down as you guys are. And I think it's because I see a path. And it just hear me out for a second. We have the, I think we have the quarterback. Okay. We have a wide open roster for the most part next season. Now that does mean we have to get it right, especially with the GM, if he's going to be here, if he's not, whatever happens, they have to make the right moves. But this coming off season is a chance for a reset. And I know we don't like, you know, hearing like, it's easy to say, blow it up, fire everybody. But this is actually the chance to do it because there's so little money. I mean, there's some money tied to like some key players here, but there's a chance to really rebuild and start from scratch around Justin Fields. I remember feeling so hopeless around the Trespin years because it's like, okay, we had just committed so much money to Jay Cutler. We were in salary cap hell. There's no, like, where do we go from here? How do we go out from here? I see a path. So I'm trying to get through this season and just basically say like, okay, if we can get an offensive genius, somebody who actually knows how to use Justin Fields to his maximum abilities, not like twice a game, I think we'll be okay. And I'm being, I'm dead serious. I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic that it'll at least be okay from that standpoint. So, but I get it. I, I do. Brendan, I, I absolutely love you. And, and I love, I love this. I love this podcast that we're doing, but I also, you know, I, I have watched this team. You know, we joked about it last week, uh, not hire Bruce Arians and bring in Mark Tressman, bring in John Fox, bring in Matt Maggie, uh, Dave Wanstead. I mean, the, the list continues that just the ineptitude, like I agree with you to a certain extent that Justin Fields appears to be the guy but I don't trust this organization to, to get him anything that he needs. And, you know, I, I think we're looking at like, Hey, Brian Dable or one of these other really, you know, even Bear, Eric B who the chiefs offense doesn't look very good right now, but you know, maybe could be better. I, 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 I do want to say, I don't think I want anyone with KC anywhere near the bears organization because if I hear one more Bears head coach say, well, in Kansas City, well, I will throw up all over the place. Um, so, so folks, you can hear it. I am very frustrated. I'm, I'm trying to get through this uh, to the penthouse and the outhouse. And, you know, I appreciate my co-hosts more than they know, just because they're, they're, they're calming me down um, and, and just a little, a little flustered with all of this. But 
let's 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 go. Let's keep this show moving. All right. In my penthouse, I've got a couple people. Uh, Cole Komet. I I am a little flustered with a, a few people that that are like, oh my god, Cole Komet doesn't have eighty yards and four touchdowns every single game. The guy is a really good blocker, and he has made some some decent plays. And I like where he's headed. DeAndre Houston Carson. I never want to see Travis Gibson play safety ever again. I don't want to see Eddie Jackson play safety anymore. I don't know who else you could get. Uh, DeAndre Houston Carson isn't an elite player, but he tackles well. He has energy. And the, the one Jack that you're talking about that wide receiver screen dude didn't give up. He chased him down to make sure that it wasn't. And he gave his team an opportunity at the goal line to say, Hey, you know what? Maybe we can keep this out of the end zone. And I thought he just balled out. And the last thing that's in the penthouse is Adam Amin and Greg Olson. Jack, you said something a few weeks ago that really stuck with me. Baseball takes their guys uh, and and that's the broadcast that you watch. I would love if every week I got to watch Adam Amin and Greg Olson. I like the combination of those two guys. I'm not talking about like the Sunday night football or Monday night football or any of those things, but watching those or listening rather to those two guys, I, I just, I absolutely loved it. In the outhouse, Chicago Bears organization, um, I'm mad at you for doing this to me and making me angry genuinely angry over a football game. So beep you. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> All right, boys, somehow, some way after that, we're going to give out game balls. So let's go Patrick, Brendan, Jack, and I will finish it up game balls. Boy, this is a tough one. Uh, there, there really aren't many to choose from, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to circle back to uh, I think Brendan's uh, penthouse and I'm going to go Justin Fields. I saw a lot of growth and a lot of progression today in Justin Fields. I saw him make quick decisions. I think Greg Olson said he was very decisive. You just felt, you felt a different Justin Fields. He looked more composed out there. He looked more decisive. He looked more comfortable, whether that was just, you know, him being a little bit more comfortable after last week or whether that had something to do with the game plan and more play action. Um, I don't know, but I just, I saw different Justin Fields on the field and that was tremendous to see. Uh, that's why it does give me a little bit of hope for the future. Um, I think they got their guy. I think you're going to see a lot more highlights of him. So if you're a certain Packers podcaster out there, get used to it, brother, because uh, you're going to be see, seeing a lot of Justin Fields highlights over the years. Okay, just really quick, for someone who talks about the Packers or is supposed to talk about the Packers, like 80% of his stuff is about the Bears. Like, get over it. Like, what are you yeah. doing, man? Sorry. <laughs> There's two guys you can lump into that, by the way. And we 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 both know them. I'm not gonna say their names, but and I think I, I think we're also angry because of what happened Thursday night with the Cardinals and how that stupid, stupid Cardinals win turned into a loss, like because of AJ Green not turning around his back. God. Somebody said that's that's exactly what would happen in a Bears Packers game, and it was so true. I can't remember who it was or who tweeted it out, but it was so spot on. Like that's how a Bears Packers game would end with the Bears losing in that fashion. Did, did you guys? I I don't know what the company was, but they said something about like you know Aaron Rodgers can win with anybody, and Tom Brady can't. I, oh yeah, <laughs> I that was laughable. That, are you 16 years old? Like, I don't, uh, for any of our listeners who are 16 years old, I didn't mean to insult you that way, but just, wow, that was, sorry, gentlemen, let's get this back rolling. Sorry, my fault. 
that's all right. We're we're just doing what the bears do and just go off the rails because why not? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Crazy train. Yep. My game ball goes to Jesse James. Jesse James, he only had three targets, but he had three catches for 38 yards and just that incredible touchdown. I one of the best catches I've seen all year from the Bears. And I'd love to see him to get more playing time. I mean, hey, three targets today. That's the most targets. That's the same amount of targets Jimmy Graham's had all year. Just saying. I know he's out because of COVID. And just, uh, I, I, he's not going to game ball, but honorable mention to Greg Olson and Adam Amin. It's so entertaining listening to those two. So I echo what everybody's been saying, but yeah, Jesse James, I, I love what I'm seeing. And I think him and Cole Komet really do create that dynamic tight end duo that we've been waiting to see with Jimmy Graham love for him to get more snaps. I can't see a way out of giving a ball to Justin Fields and, uh, I'll try not to be redundant. I mean, I'll just mention that he rushed 10 times for 103 yards, which is 10.3 per carry and a touchdown. And that touchdown, I mean, that touchdown alone, wow. I mean, the the, the missed tackles, the cuts, I mean, that was one of the most athletic plays I think I have seen in a long, long time. And besides that, he was 19 for 27, uh, 70% completion rate for 175 yards. Uh, he threw a touchdown uh, and he threw an interception. And I think, you know, you consider what he did and then you consider all the extenuating circumstances. I mean, he was, was again sacked four times in this game. And yet he still, he still, he shined bright like a diamond, boys. So uh, game ball to JF1. Real quickly to add on that, because it was a cool stat I saw, Justin Fields became the first Bears quarterback to rush for over 100 yards since Bobby Douglas in the 70s. So something that's literally lasted for 50 years, Justin Fields just made history today. So, uh, yeah, everything Jack said. But I just wanted to throw out that. Did you have to go there, Brendan? We just got Ryan back. We just got him back (laughs) to a baseline. (laughs) It was a good moment. I thought it was something worth celebrating. I was going to say, I forgot during my rant to mention no trick plays. We run no trick plays, but I don't want to, I don't want to spiral, spiral Ryan out again. So Cairo Santos, he missed an extra point. People are going to focus in on that and, and they shouldn't 38 for 38. When dude is kicking more than half of his kicks outside and most of them at soldier field. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I tweeted that out and I don't remember who it was. It might've been Jonathan hand. I can't remember, but you watch the kicks and they go straight down the center. And uh, you know, obviously dude missed an extra point. That's not why the bears lost this game in any way. Um, and I just think he's absolutely incredible. And, you know, Ryan Pace has done a whole lot of bad, but getting in Cairo Santos is one of the very good things that he has done. All right, boys, we got some listener questions and I want to make sure that we get through these because they're, they're really good. And, you know, it's, this is something that, that I really enjoy doing. And I know you boys really enjoy as well. So first question is, uh, Lisa, the Buckeye alum, as she asked us to, to say, good thoughts now. That's her Twitter name. And her handle is at good new underscore please. Uh, news, please. I apologize. Why won't coaches design an offense around Justin Field's strengths? There was a little bit of it today. 
you know, obviously I think she's referring to the, him running out in space, uh, but, but it seems to be rare. Boys, why do we think that is? If you haven't listened to Dan Durkin's hit on the Lawrence Holmes show, uh, gosh, I can't remember what it was. It was last week sometime. Go look it up. Uh, I think Durkin hits the nail on the head as to why Nagy hasn't developed a game plan around Justin Fields because he can't. He's essentially a one-trick pony. Um, he's not able to do anything but what he learned from Kansas City, as, as Durkin put it. And when he said that, you know, Jack, to steal your word, I think I had the epiphany. Like, wow, yeah maybe he's not stubborn. Maybe he just doesn't know how to do anything else. He really kind of, uh, I don't want to use the term, but he, he, he locked into this position, um, kind of rode uh, Andy Reid's coattails and became the head coach of the Chicago bears without really having that diversified portfolio or ability to develop multiple players with multiple schemes and, and devising, uh, an offense that fits your player's talents. I just don't think he's capable of doing it. I don't think it's a, a desire thing necessarily. I just, I just don't think he can. I mean, it's an odd thing. I think too, to think about a, a coach at that level, looking at the players that he has on his roster and just continually trying to, you know, fit a square peg into a round hole. And I think that really highlights how incapable he is because the greatest of coaches look at players and they try to find where they are a little weak and avoid those things or improve them in those areas, or they look at where they excel and they put them, as we've said before, put them in that position to excel and be great. I don't even know how to describe it. Like you wouldn't think like you're going to, you know, Hey, we're going to go to the Kentucky Derby. And then you look out at your pasture and you've got like, nothing but donkeys i mean it's just like the most it's the oddest disconnect how he can't see the forest through the trees and actually look at the talent that he has and then and then design an offense that caters to that personnel dave bear i believe it's b-e-y-e-r asked has ryan pace acknowledged that there is no offensive line I'm going to answer this one, boys, and I, you know, if you want to add on to it, please do. I don't think Ryan Pace has answered any questions for real. I think Matt Nagy's word salad is matched by Ryan Pace's vague salad. That's not a thing, but I just said that it was. I mean, the dude doesn't say anything of 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 any content whatsoever. Am I am I wrong, boys? You are oh, you're, not wrong. You're exactly right. It It's one of those things that really upsets me. And you see it in, in baseball. I think it's great when GMs, like they talk usually every couple weeks or so, every homestand. Ryan Pace speaks like three times a year. And I think it's BS that there's so many other people that have to take the shots for him when he just kind of hides in his corner. Everybody has that, that famous, the infamous picture, I guess, where he's peeking out from the corner for their Twitter profile. That's exactly who Ryan Pace is. And I think it's BS that he just doesn't have to answer for any of these things. And as for the offensive line, he's done the bare minimum. I I know people have been like, well, he's done quite a bit to overhaul it. No, he hasn't. He's drafted three tackles in six years. That is not a recipe for success. You are getting lucky that Jason Peters is playing as well as he is right now, because he really should not be. The fact that he has not been hurt, and, you know, is not on injured reserve or something, I think is nothing short of a miracle. And I will say it's, it was great to see Larry Borum actually get the start on today and play pretty well. But man, like 
you commit a ton of money. And this is what I was talking about. You commit a ton of money to these guys and you think that they're just going to exceed what they've done previously. And that has not been the case, whether it was Bobby Massey, whether it was Charles Leno, whether it's now Cody Whitehair, is he going to do the same thing with James Daniels? I mean, no. So (laughs) it's a long way to say he has not done enough. He's finally sort of realizing his mistakes, but it's been far too late. Jonathan A. Hand, a friend of the podcast, has asked, you're George McCaskey. What are some specific things you do to get this thing back on track and build around your franchise quarterback? Does anybody remember the scene from Tropic Thunder? Les Grossman's on the uh, video call, and he tells the gentleman to take a step back and do something. Maybe that's what... (laughs) Nobody got that reference. I got it. That's a great one. Yeah. Hopefully there's at least one person out there uh, and you'll realize why I can't finish that line, but he needs to fire himself. He won't, but that's what he needs to do. Who we talk about Ryan Pace and the lack of accountability and, and having to face the media or explain his decisions. Who in this organization has been held accountable for the last 30 years? Not George, not Ted. Not Ryan Pace, not Matt Nagy, not Matt Nagy's players. Is there any accountability throughout that organization at all? No. And until George McCaskey steps aside and allows somebody who has the fortitude to hold his people accountable and has the the knowledge or the, the wherewithal to put somebody in that position that knows what the hell they're doing, um, nothing's going to change. And uh, so I don't know that there's anything George McCaskey can do except fire George McCaskey. There are some out of the box decisions that maybe could be made. And you guys can, you can, you can rail me for this one. That's totally fine. Peyton Manning has a relationship with the Chicago bears. I don't know exactly how they got started, but bringing him in uh, and asking his opinion, he's one of the the smartest people in all of football. I I don't mean as a general manager. I just mean as a like, Hey, here are the other people that you should be talking to. Uh, I think too often the bears get the like, Hey, these are our people and pat yourself on the back, you know, because you're doing such a great job. Um, Again, I don't want to see Peyton as a general manager, but, but just bringing him in as, as a like, Hey, let's see what he's got because whatever they're doing now is, is not working. You've got to bring in a new general manager. Um, you've got to bring in a new head coach, you, a new head coach that can actually develop players. That isn't a, uh, an offensive coordinator that had one season of calling plays and then had that the play calling taken away from him uh, because he was so bad at it. Uh, they, they've got to find a way to, to, to get someone that actually has some, some legitimate credentials. Thank you. Credibility. Thank you. So here's where I would start. And I, I would, Patrick, I would love for George to just say, Hey, hey someone take my money. I'll sell it. You know, that's fine. I don't think that's going to happen. So here's another situation I have. I would hire a consulting group that consists of, and I pulled this together last year when I thought everybody was going to get fired. I would pull a group together of Theo Epstein, Scott Pioli, Amy Trask, Matt Forte, and Mike Shanahan. You have people who have built successful organizations across multiple sports. You have players that are well-respected and a coach who has been a Super Bowl winner and built a great culture with the Denver Broncos and Mike Shanahan. I would get all of those people in a room and say, ladies and gentlemen, tell me what I need to do differently. 
specifically, especially with Theo Epstein building a culture. But I think all of those individuals bring something to the table and then go from there. George does not have all the answers. Ted does not have all the answers. Kick Ted. And for the love of God, I don't think Ted's even doing a good business job here. I mean, seriously, what has he done in the last like 20 years that has actually helped made, make the Bears more profitable other than the NFL itself growing in its popularity? I mean, I would just get rid of Ted, hire somebody brand new in business relations, and then really lean on that group of people to help make the decisions and bring somebody else in, revamp a football operations office. You look at other teams, even within the division, their analytics and football operations are miles better than what the bears have. Just look down like the different position groups or the different um, job titles and who's kind of operating within them. It's night and day. I'm dead serious. So that's where I'd start and then go from there. I think these are great ideas and I think there are a lot of things they can do. I just don't think George has shown the willingness uh, to deviate from his, his organizational structure. I mean, he was challenged by Waddle and Sylvie a couple of years ago uh, about their structure and whether they would consider bringing in a president of football operations. And he was adamant. This is their, this is how they're organized. This is how they're set up. I don't think he's got any desire to change. He's just incompetent guys. He's, he's a boob. I'm sorry. He's a boob. <laughs> yes, he he's yeah. Buster Bluth. I, he's Buster Bluth running a, a, a billion, multi-billion dollar organization. Sheldon for the win. All right, boys, <laughs> we got we got two other questions I want to get to. Uh, good, good friend of the podcast, uh, Anthony from Cork, Ireland, uh, also from the Irish Bear Show. Just a just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And if you're listening, hello, tell Theo, your son, what's up? Uh, I love getting those photos. He he just, dude, love this guy. Daz, Naz Newsome, it's time to bring in Daz Newsome and see what he can do. While I think, you know, Anthony might be joking a little bit, why not shake things up a little bit? Uh, Brashad Perriman has been in an inactive list forever. I don't know why they brought this dude in in the first place, but sure, let's see what he can do. It's it's time to shake some things up and, and try some some different things. That's how I'm feeling about it, boys. I think if he would have flashed in practice, he would have flashed by now. If he was, you know, if he was running the show team, the scout team, you know, and he stood out against the first team defense, he'd be on the field. And and again, this is all conjecture, but obviously they're not the greatest at identifying talent. But I guess what I'm saying is, is, is it would be clear that he needed to play by now if he actually was ready to play. I just, he must not be ready, which surprises me because I was really excited about the pick. Yeah. Same here. I would rather see Rodney Adams back because Daz, we were excited about Daz, but he, like you said, he didn't do anything in the preseason or training camp. Rodney Adams showed out and he's just kind of hanging out on the practice squad. Demir Bird's not doing anything. So yeah, you know what, if this goes South more, which I'm betting it will. Yeah. Why not bring him up? See what you got. So also very good friend of the pod, Scott Swartz, who Scott, thank you for sending in so many phenomenal questions. Uh, This leads really into it. What we've just been talking about. Why can other teams, wide receivers and tight ends get tons of separation, but bears players just can't do it. Didn't they have a whole great effort to bring in speed guys? Now I'll, I'll say this really quick. You watch the game holistically, and sometimes when you're only watching it one time, there's certain things you pick up on and certain things you miss. I hadn't been paying very close attention to watching for wide receiver separation, and because you guys are 
very smart people. Uh, we're talking about it. it. It's something that I paid very close attention to in this game. And there are a couple of times where they show that, uh, that camera angle right behind Justin Fields. And you're like, yep, that guy wasn't open. That guy wasn't open. That guy wasn't even close. There was no way he he's holding onto the ball, but it's just, who's he going to throw to? So Scott, I don't know the answer to this question other than maybe the bears can't evaluate talent or they just don't know how to scheme them open. I don't know. Or we've talked about it. Maybe they're not coached well and developed well. And it's probably a combination of everything. I think to be a great route runner, you have to have a tremendous amount of athleticism and then you need to be able to um, do that repetitively in practice to be able to um, to be able to practice the skill to get open. There's also got to be like a sixth sense of sorts to be able to find those empty spots uh, in the zone. Uh, and so I think all of those things combined. And, and the only way to do that is to be able to practice that. And then boy, film study is so important. There are so many instances where you can show players that if they just change a tiny little bit, they can make drastic changes in the way that they play. And we've, we've, you know, we've beat the wide receiver coach up quite a bit, I think rightfully so. And so I think it's a little bit of all of those things, but ultimately they're not getting, they're not getting separation. Guys, check me on this and keep me honest, but did it feel like they got a lot of separation in 2018? Like they were schemed open weekly and Mitch just missed them. I mean, how many times were we tweeting or talking about, missing open receivers and it just seemed like they had so much separation which is i think the the frustrating part is what happened like well why why can't they get even an inch of separation and that i i think i know the play you're talking about uh ryan when they they showed that view that angle not only was there no separation but the three receivers that were pictured were all still um, in their routes, they weren't even starting to come out of their break and fields was already having to, to scramble. Um, I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not an X's and O's guys by any means. I've never pretended to be, but to me, when you've got three or four guys all coming out of their break at the same time, that doesn't seem like it's very helpful for a quarterback to try to decide where to go with the football. All right, boys. Uh, those are some phenomenal questions from our fantastic listeners. So we appreciate all of you, Jack, two weeks in a row. I'm a terrible person. I'm hijacking your question, but I'm hijacking your question because you said something last week that really just stuck with me. Like, Hey, I got a story about my first job. I'll save it for another podcast. Jack, this is that other podcast. Boys, I want to hear a story from your first job. Just really quick, we got a couple uh, submissions from our listeners. Um, th- some of them are really, really good. Uh, Scott Swartz uh, ripped the door uh, off of a, or ripped the handle off of a, a car of one of his customers. Um, another guy, uh, Furious George McCaskey, uh, used to mow lawns in middle school, was hired uh, for a woman who lived uh, a block away. She didn't have a lawnmower, so he walked his over each time. On days she wanted him to mow, unannounced, she would just pull into his driveway and lay on her horn. And sometimes at 5 a.m. That's pretty bad. So let's hear it, boys. Let's go. Brendan, Patrick, Jack, and I will finish it up. Stories from your first job. All right. So being from the Chicago area, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. My first big boy job was at the Jules. I was a bagger boy 
and then uh, moved up to cashier. Nice little promotion there. But I think there was a lot of rough moments at Jewel. And, but I think the one that sticks out the most is my first Thanksgiving there. So, and I know they change it up a little bit now, but Jewel back in the day, like this is back in 2008 or so, they were open until maybe like 4 p.m. And I worked from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. And guys, I was not prepared for the amount of people, the rush, the just insanity of that happens at a jewel on Thanksgiving. And I, being a high school student, I was totally in the dark because I was like, why aren't you with your families? Why are you doing all this last minute? Like, go be with your family. Like, don't be here because I have to be here then. And just the amount of lines and the craziness and the, the bitchiness from people. And every so often there were some people that said, Hey, we really appreciate you working on Thanksgiving. And I'm just like, you know what? That means so much to me. I'm going to cry. Cause like, this was so just bad. And I, after I only worked two of them, but just at the end of the day, I was drained and I was just like beside myself with how many people could actually fit in a jewel and just be trying to get turkeys the day of Thanksgiving. It (laughs) blew my mind. People, I've always said that in food service or, you know, at the grocery store, people just lose their minds. It's like civilization just goes right out the window. And the, the kindness is not even, you know, it just it's terrible the way that they treat people sometimes when when they get in those positions, either at a restaurant or, you know, uh, or at a grocery store. It's embarrassing. My first job was with the uh, DPW Department of Public Works. And um, one of the first jobs that we had to do, they gave us a map. We had about six or seven blocks or so that we were, uh, we had to go and paint all the fire hydrants in that, you know, six block radius. And so it was me and my friend, Justin, we were really good friends growing up. And uh, I looked at the map and realized my grandmother's house was, was in that, that area. So we go to her house first and I knock on her door and I tell her that, you know, Hey, we got to paint all these fire hydrants. We got like a dozen of them. Um, we're going to paint. So we're out here. Just want to come and say hi. She's like, Oh, okay. So we're slapping paint on this fire hydrant. Takes us like, you know, half hour, 40 minutes or so. We're just about finished. And she comes out, she says, come on in real quick, grab something to drink. We go in telling grandmother, the table is full. She's got homemade, uh, um, noodles, like made them in her basement. Right pasta, uh, the the sauce, the meatballs, the brajol, sausage, chicken cutlets, fried dough. She made like a dozen fried dough. We sat down and ate. That was the only fire hydrant we painted the whole whole day. I don't know what happened to the other 11, but they never got painted by us. (laughs) That's an awesome story, man. I love that. Let's go. (laughs) You kept your job. You didn't get any flack for that, none? No, no, they didn't. We were on another job with some folks and we were supposed to sickle all these weeds. And we did, we did it in like an hour. And I, I'll never forget, we were working with these older guys. This is like their job. Um, and I remember we told them they were done. They were like, what do we do now? And the look the guy gave me, he goes, what in the heck are you doing? He goes, that was supposed to take you guys all day. We're not trying to be heroes here. <laughs> so, <laughs> I learned my lesson. Um, Don't kill the job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to, there wasn't that much to go around for us. So. Patrick, I thought this was supposed to be horror stories, not stories where, hey, I did barely any work and I got a feast out of it. <laughs> I, I, the guilt that I've carried with me since then, Brendan, is the horror that I deal with on a daily basis. Oh, I see. I see. Well, I'm, I'm very sorry for that. Bert. <laughs>
this uh, this will fit because a show can't go by without us talking about McDonald's. And I had grown weary of working at the butcher shop that I was working at. And so dad says, all right, well, we need to find another job. Drives me over to McDonald's to apply. I mean, talk about embarrassing. I'm a sophomore. So like you, Brendan, I'm working my way up. I start, everybody starts in the lobby. This is where you start, right? You're mopping floors, you're wiping down tables, you're taking out garbage. Now, I, I considered myself as a sophomore, and I think sophomores are like probably some of the dumbest boys on earth. And <laughs> it's almost like you, you don't even know how to parallel play, I don't think, at that point. So I was the quarterback of the football team, and I fancied myself to be a pretty cool guy. I'm out in the, in the um, lobby, and I'm like mopping the floor up. And this kid that I wouldn't even have like considered to be in the quote-unquote cool group looks at me and he goes, hey, nerd, keep mopping that floor. And I, being the person that I was, you know, gave him some shit back. He takes his pop and he, he dumps it on the floor. And he looks at me and he goes, nerd, mop up my Coke. And I'm sitting there going, I mean, I, I felt like I had just like gotten kicked in the stomach, right? And ultimately, you know, you're like, what did you do? Did you beat him up? Did you talk back? I had to just take it. I just took it. I mopped up his stinking Coke and there was nothing I could do about it. It was such a huge hit to my ego uh, until I finally got to be a cashier and a guy comes through, welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order, please? 100 cheeseburgers. I'm sorry, sir. Could you repeat that order, please? Hundred cheeseburgers. You you heard me. Starts swearing at me. Just flips out at me. Well, if they're gonna order a hundred cheeseburgers, I mean, y'all know that's a big deal. You gotta call it in or something. And I was like, all right, sir. A hundred cheeseburgers. Your total will be. I don't even know what it was. A hundred something dollars. Please pull around. He pulls around, and I I go to open the window like to tell him how much it is and take his cash. He is out the car window, just screaming at me every swear word you can possibly imagine and i'm i'm just keeping my composure I'm like okay sir all right all right i take his money <laughs> my kids love this story i take his money and i slowly count out all of the change i don't remember if it was six dollars seven dollars every single penny dime and quarter and i i don't even look i don't even look over at him i pop the window open I chucked the chain, the change out at him and I closed the window and he, I mean, he came in the store, like he was going to get me fired. And luckily, like I can play it off. Right. Because I'm like good Irish Catholic boy. I'm, the manager's like, are you okay? Are you, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I mean, it was like, it, that was scary and it was rough, but I'm okay. Nobody knew that I chucked the money at the guy and it was like the best part of it. And so is that how you met Brendan? Is it? <laughs> yeah, he was actually. There. Oh well, obviously, uh, obviously he was there. I mean, I would have been like what six? Yeah, <laughs> yeah queen. Give me my cheeseburgers. <laughs> Where's my Happy Meal toy, clown? <laughs> Brendan totally would order a hundred cheeseburgers. Yeah. That just it sounds like Brendan. It has him written all over it. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> How many do you think you could eat in one sitting? You know, Patrick, I'm glad you asked me this question because I'm prepared with an answer. <laughs> I didn't do it with McDonald's, but 
bat senior year of college, uh, me and my buddy downed five Buffalo chicken meltdowns, which were basically just Buffalo chicken sandwiches. We ate five of them. Wow. It was, it was hard. The aftermath (laughs) without, I mean, it's a family show, but how was the aftermath? Um, it was, um, it was a struggle. <laughs> it was a struggle. <laughs> so equate that. I equate that to Don, like McDonald's cheeseburgers or something. If I needed to, I could probably I could probably eat five. Maybe I don't know. Good, good for you, Brendan. Um, mine is a little less uh, PG than your guys's jobs. Uh, so, folks that are at home, if you're you have children that are close by, please uh, cover their ears. I worked at a mom and pop. Uh, video store. Uh, Brendan, it was this place where like they had these things called uh, VHS tapes and and DVDs. They're like uh, things that you'd put into like a, a player and, and they would play movies. Um, and so uh, we, we used to have challenges to see how many, you know, DVDs or VHS tapes you could put back and without going back to the register. So it's like, you know, stack them up as high as you possibly could. But the thing that always got me was the parents that would send their children in with two DVDs. One of those DVDs would be something along the lines of like Barney's Playhouse or whatever it was. And the other one would be like Debbie Does Everybody. Um, And they would have their kids return that to the, you know, because like one of them is like in a clear case and the other one was in a very dark case. Uh, And so you're just like, wow, you're going to let your kid do that. We had a customer whose name I will not say, um, who spent, and I'm not exaggerating this at all, folks, $20,000 renting just adult videos, just adult titles, was the only person that would put them on hold. Like he would call on Monday and be like, hey, on Friday, I want to make sure that this title is available for me. So please put it on reserve all of the employees would be like, hey, when this guy comes in, you'll know. And so, you know, first time it's like, oh, was that him? Is that him? And all the other employees would be like, no, no, no. When he walks in, you'll know. And sure enough, he walks in, they go, oh my God, that's him. And you're like, yep, that's, that's him. So yeah, that was uh, working at the mom and pop video shop. I have so many questions. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I, ha- I have to I was just going to say, I do know how a blockbuster operates, mister. I was, that was part of my childhood. I loved it, but I can't imagine somebody, I can't imagine somebody renting one of those at any time and basically going up to the cashier and be like, yes, I plan to rent this very dirty video and you know exactly why I'm doing it. And then to do that over and over and spend $20,000, that guy could buy a very nice car for $20,000. How mad was he when the internet came out? <laughs> That's what I said. Ryan and I were mad. walking the other day and I was like, he could get it all for free. free. And what's $20,000 in what, 1990? If we put that into t- today's terms, man. Oh, I'm sure he was in heaven. I'm sure like when he figured that out, like this is the best day of my life. <laughs> At 16 years old. You know, when we first start working, they're like, yeah, you don't, you don't have to put those back. And then after a while, it was like on a Friday or Saturday night, the place would be a madhouse. You'd be like, hey, Dangle, you're up. Just go put, I was like, I can't put these back. They're like 18 plus. They're like, time to see it at some point. And then just, you know, oh my God, just things I was, I was never expecting to see. Um, gentlemen, it is time to get to shout outs, shout outs uh, and get out of here because I want to make sure that, that we don't. We don't, we don't go too far across the line today. Uh, so shout outs that you might like to give. So let's go Jack, Patrick, Brendan, and I will finish it up. 
Okay, I just have one today, and it's because there's it's always cool. You guys have mentioned a couple of different times when you have somebody that interacts directly with you on Twitter. And that Montreal girl, uh, she's at that MT girl on Twitter. She's a regular in terms of just, you know, either liking or retweeting or responding something really funny to something that I've tweeted. And so I appreciate her and I appreciate the interaction that she's gotten me on Twitter. So uh, shout out to that Montreal girl. I've got uh, two shout outs. One is somewhat unconventional, but uh, first shout out is um, to my neighbor, Zach. I shout out, shouted out my neighbors last week, but I'm going to shout them out again. Um, it, when you were a kid, playing with the older kid in the neighborhood was like the coolest thing ever. And my son is realizing that now. And uh, we've got some great neighbors. And there's an older kid over there that that took him and was playing with him yesterday. And uh, he just got the biggest kick out of it. And it was, it was pretty cool to see. So um, shout out to Zach. And then um, shout out to the guy in the neighborhood today uh, that didn't follow proper Halloween protocol. And this is the unconventional one, right? This isn't a good shout out. This is, look, Halloween doesn't sneak up on you. You know when it is every year. It's the same day every year. If you're not going to have candy, turn the light off, right? Instead, this chucklehead keeps the lights on. My kid and his buddies, they go up to the door, they ring the bell. Nobody answers. They can see people milling around in the house. They know people are home. They're just waiting there. And uh, nobody comes to the door. So my kids start walking off the porch and they turn off the lights. Like, you know, find something, a roll of pennies, you know, an old Werther's original. Uh, don't leave the kids empty handed. So um, shout out to the guy that doesn't understand Halloween protocol and, and hopefully uh, maybe do a quick internet search and figure it out for next year. Don't be that guy. Yeah, don't be that guy. That's tough. We, we sort of had that almost issue this year because obviously we don't have kids so we were like well do we put candy out but yeah we you just turn the porch light on i mean you know so that's that stinks i'm sorry i'm just gonna say that i hid this year and i almost hide every year but yeah lights are off doorbells like disconnected you know i'm not gonna like give them a little touch of hope and then just like yank it away from them that is so incredibly uncool I will say though, real quickly, not to get too off track, too off track. We had the candy out on our door and like, you know, we had a bowl. We we're like, okay, you know, whatever. And we have one of those ring doorbells. We still had kids like ringing the doorbell and then putting their face up to the camera and just screaming into it. And I'm just like, man, kids, like just take your candy and go. Like I'm watching football, man. <laughs> uh, so I got two shout outs. Uh, first one goes to Tom Fenn. I believe that's how we say his name. Uh, T. F-E-H-N-21. He's been a follower of mine for a little bit. We've had some really good interactions on Twitter and uh, just really appreciate some really good Bears thoughts. Uh, I think he works in New York, uh, but just I I love when, you know, you get those good interactions of people that you follow for a while. And uh, so just shout out to him for for all the continued uh, support and just feedback and engagement. And my other shout out goes to Mark Silverman, Sylvie of Waddle and Sylvie. Um, so over the years, I've been a Waddle and Sylvie P1 for over 10 years now. Patrick, I know you listen to them a lot too. And Sylvie's always, honestly, he's just been so good to me. We got connected uh, about like eight years ago and he's been, he's helped me out when I needed it. I've gone to live remotes and he's, uh, you know, shot the, you know, what with me quite a bit. He gave me a shout out uh, earlier this week when he couldn't pronounce my name, which was hilarious. Uh, so just shout out to Sylvie. 
uh, just for all the support. And of course, just for putting on an awesome show. Like it's, it's my go-to radio show for Chicago sports. So um, yeah, shout, definitely shout out to him and uh, appreciate all the support. Listening to them try to say your name. And actually I think at one point he said it right and then moved on from it. I was like, it's Shagru, Shagru. So maybe, maybe you put that in like, uh, in like as your name or something in parentheses, like Shagru just for one week. So, so they get it right. I don't know. I mean, so when I came, so they were doing a remote on Friday and I went up to see him after the show and he looks at me, he's like, Hey, Brendan. And he's like, screw. And I was like, yeah, good job. And he's like, I seriously <laughs> had to think about it. And Wild's next to him and he's like, yeah, look, it's, uh, it's Brendan screw. He's like, yeah, Shagru. It that's it's easy. I don't know why you can't say it. And he said a bunch of expletives. I can't, you know, in a <laughs> playful way. Like they, they're they're really like big brothers to each other. So yeah, it was. They're just great on remote. Honestly, if they're ever anywhere in your area, it's worth seeing. And I, I remember we went and saw them one time in Geneva, and they just those those just shoot the shit with you for a little while. Uh, I can remember I asked Tommy Waddle a question about Jay Cutler and he danced around it, but gave me a good answer. But yeah, you're absolutely right. They're great guys. Fun to hang out with. Well, actually, so, so Jack, uh, I was going to thank that, that Montreal girl as well. So, so I have, I have fewer shout outs to give than usual. It's not because, uh, you know, we, we don't have wonderful people, but just, I gave a lot last week. And so I thought I'd trim it down a little bit here for you. Uh, Christina, our Tampa, sports bay i thought she did a really great job last week and i forgot to give her a shout out at the end of the podcast that was not polite so christina if for some reason you happen to be listening thank you again so very much uh we appreciate it uh my uncle mikey fearbacher i'm not even going to try to spell that for any of you folks uh mikey uh listens a lot to the show um he's not on social media at least not very much but uh but he listens often so mikey shout out to you uh and it's tough to be mikey he is a die hard blackhawks and bears fan woof that is a, that is that is just that's that's bad sports right there. So so Mikey, I'm I'm thinking about you. I'm feeling for you. And then my last one goes out to Ryan Badgley. Now Ryan Badgley has been on the show before, but he is just a good dude. I don't know how else to say it. Um, you look at a lot of his tweets are about you know the the charity work that can be done, and he just is so supportive of BDR and all these other podcasts that are out there. He's had some success with the Barroom Network, but he he doesn't care. He's a supporter of 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 all the the people that are out there, all that are Bears fans. And and he retweets just about everything we do. And just Badge, if you're listening, man, thank you for being such a good dude. We just, we, we, we just can't thank you enough for all of that. All right, folks. So this is, I promise the very last time, because we're getting out of here that I will apologize. This, this podcast went a little off the rails, but that's part of being a fan. We get a little upset. We get a little frustrated. And um, usually I like to, to, to keep cool, calm, and collected, but uh, these guys will attest that, that I really got, got angry about this. Uh, this was a game that the Bears should have won, and I think they should have won kind of handedly, if I'm, if I'm totally honest with you, and they didn't. And I just don't see a whole lot of wins uh, up here in their future. And you know, I, I love doing this podcast, and I absolutely love doing this with Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, and Brent. Bren- <laughs> I just did it. And Brendan Chagru. This time I just messed up your first name. It wasn't your last name. Uh, That's true. I, I, I love doing it with these guys. And I genuinely look forward to 
every Sunday night, knowing that I'm going to speak with these guys because we laugh and we enjoy, but at the same time, you know, I'm a human being and I was very, very frustrated with, with the way that things went and being frustrated as a bears fan. Uh, there's been a whole lot of bad and not as much good. So, but here we are folks. Thank you. Thank you for choosing to listen to the bear down report podcast. And if you've made it to this point of the pod, we can't say thank you enough. Uh, you could go anywhere for your podcast and you've chosen to listen with us. And we just, we can't tell you how much that means to all of us. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. If you really like what you hear, please hit us with a five-star review. But if you love what you hear and you want to do like what Joe from Tinley Park did and buy us a beer, like I said, you can go to beardownreport.com, go to the podcast section, click any one of the podcasts and uh, you'll see a donate button. You can donate right there. For all of us at the Bear Down Report, podcast. Thank you so much for listening, folks. And as always, bear down.